good good morning good morning everyone and uh welcome to another show uh revelation hour hope you guys well i hope you had a wonderful week um it's lovely to be back here again this week as a matter of fact this is going to be our last week for the year the last show for the year we after that we will be resuming uh in january i think anyone need a break we certainly do have need a break as well good morning lady Good morning, young sir. Hey, here we go. I'm young. She told me this morning I don't look like my age. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But she told me I don't look my, my age. So that that is good news. I thanks the Lord and the Spirit to fully. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we open up in prayer yeah. and then just uh, bring the Lord into our midst. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much because you are so great. You're so wonderful to us, Father, and we're just so grateful for that. Father, we just bring everyone before you this morning, and just everyone, under the sound of our voices, we just pray that you will bless them. Mm. You will bless them in the, you know, in the book of Revelation, it speaks that everyone who reads the book and uh, applies it will be blessed. So, Father, we just pray that as we are going through different parts of the book of Revelation, that you will have your way, that each and every single one of us receive the blessing that comes from reading this book, mm-hmm. and that we will we will walk according to what it, what is written in it as well. You give us the grace, you give us the boldness, the strength, the courage, that you will help us, and that it is through you, through your Spirit, Lord, through you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to be able to fulfill, to fulfill the things that you've called for us to fulfill. So Father, we just pray that you will have your way today, with us, and in the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Again, it's lovely, guys. Lovely to have you here with us. Um, Just to remind you very quickly as we go through um, that if you want to contact us, then you can contact us via our facebook page uh, revelation hour you can also tweet us uh, if you into the tweet thing um, and you can also email us at info at revelationhour.co.uk we also have a, a whatsapp group if you're interested to to be part of the whatsapp group there's a lot of uh, comments videos that people share through this group so please feel free to again uh, give us, you know, send us an email or send us a, a message via Facebook, and then we will, uh, we make sure to add you on um, in due course. Okay, I think I've done it, everything here. Um, why don't we just uh, start again the show as we usually start uh, by looking into uh, what the current Christ- Christian news are saying um, in a, in a season. Um, young lady, uh, I hope you. You, you you okay you know you you can you know you you ready for it <laughs> <laughs> why because i i seem distracted no no you don't seem distracted at all you're just having your tweet to tea um don't know what is inside but i'm sure it's very uh <laughs> holistic i would mm, say yes yes all right so let's have a look at this which one uh, i'm pretty sure that you want to want to pick up the the one which is right in front of us on front page uh, priest take his own life a day after be diagnosed with COVID-19. Shall we do that? Mm. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's very sad. 
um, a Catholic priest in the U.S. state of South Carolina has taken his own life just a day after testing positive for COVID-19. What's your take on that? The thing is, we, we really don't know all the facts, do we? Um, and, you know, my first reaction was, was like, why would he do that? Um, but there's just so many different... I, I, I really don't I really don't know I think the thing is I think you know coming from the perspective of people not wanting to take the vaccine um, because they think it's the mark um, and all sorts of different things you don't know whether he's coming from that perspective or you just don't know um, we don't know mm-hmm. um, but for me it's just a really sad thing that he's taken his life um, he's taken his life um, I think different people have different views on, on you know, people who take their lives um, as Christians and whether they will enter into the kingdom of God. And, and you know, so it's, um, you know, we, we go to scripture and people look at that as well. Um, so it, it's, it's, for me, it's really, really sad. It's, it's just really, really, really heartbreaking to see this heartbreaking anyway um this is probably in three days this is you know you 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 hear about people taking their lives i mean someone else spoke to me a friend of mine spoke to me a a a few days ago Mm -hmm. i think it's been on the news as well about a mother um taking her life an nhs nurse taking her life and Mm -hmm. her daughter as well two years old took her life and um it's been on the news but this person was living in the same block of flats as my friend um so she kind of you know in passing they've been speak they've been speaking so it's really difficult um it's a difficult one because the first thing that you think of and this is what a friend of mine said was you know is there anything you know I, i just feel bad because i said i would go and speak to her when we go out for coffee and we do this and we do that and it's just like the first thing that you think is there anything that could have been done which could have changed the course or the direction of this person's mm-hmm. li- or decision. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just, um, and what she said, you know, to me at the end was, it's good to talk. It's good to talk. It's good to be able to talk about things and, and speak about what's on our hearts mm-hmm. and speak about what we're going through and have that person that we can actually speak to. And when I came off the phone, I remember saying to you, it's just like, sometimes we, it, it's, we don't even realize and and you know how privileged and 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 what a blessing it is to be able to have friends and a community of people that we can actually speak to and who are supportive mm. um especially in a time like this so it's for me it's really sad that you know if if he didn't have anyone that he could speak to about what he was feeling um about what what he was going through and and the tr- the decision what he was thinking about doing that that's a really sad thing for me mm-hmm. um as well as the fact that obviously he's gone ahead and taken his life it's um yeah it, it is very tragic and, and i think it's got to remind us you know how um high you know the mind can be fragile you know especially mm. in those those situations and circumstances you know because there's people out there who see this this virus as a real as a real threat where there's there's no hope and um when they catch it then they seem to be pretty pretty much say that this is game over 
you know mm. and that's the thing it's hope isn't it mm-hmm. that's there's what my no friend hope. mentioned no as well hope, she yeah. said you know the fact that people feel that there's no hope mm. um and they don't know where to actually look for hope um yeah. you know and, and they feel that there's no hope there and she said to me there's hope every you know if we look for it there's hope mm. um yeah so it's 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 um it's sad it's sad to think that somebody of faith mm-hmm. you know um has, has taken their life because generally we we kind of equate that with people feeling that there's no hope there's nothing else That's left right. um and we know our hope is in the lord and mm. you know for someone of faith to have gotten to that point and it can happen to anyone yeah he, he can um, I, I, I mean then also he's you kind of beginning to take into consideration. Yeah, I think I think you're right. You don't want to kind of going in more detail about no. what happened and and, yeah. and now questioning the type the type of faith you know based on mm. what it, what the mm. belief system mm. is. You know the fact of the matter is that you know as people of God, I believe we need to begin to look into us bringing the hope. You know, and that's mm. where we we are. We're supposed to bring this this message of hope to people who actually feeling so desperate that the only alternative that they seem to think is viable in this current situation is taking their own lives mm. um this other thing that i wanted just to go into as well is is this one um medical respect message to christian we think of in nineteen vaccine is mark of the beast mm. and, and this is kind of what i mentioned alluded to mm-hmm. um in maybe possibly the 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 thought mm. um process um it's interesting mm. I don't want to go too much detail about it. I think there's so much coverage um on on this situation with the vaccine and and and, and like like I said um there are many people that are very um doubtful they, they they're doubting about the validity of this and there are others that just want to go back to normal life so they think that this is the solution um per se and i guess we as people of god we 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 have to be hearing what god is saying you know in this season and then just really prepare ourselves i think that's very 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 important is there anything else that you wanted to share i think there's a lot to talk about today in relation to uh, to the churches but it's quite interesting yeah which one this um thing about euthanasia suffering has a solution death has no solution Spanish Catholics react as Spain moves closer to legalizing euthanasia. Mm. That's quite an interesting one. It is. What is interesting to you? The thing is, again, it's it's this perspective of of you know really what does it say in the word? <laughs> you know, what does the word say um, about this? Um, and as we know, euthanasia is basically again this other this thing about taking people's lives. Um, and the Bible's clear about that, you know, about murder, you know, and, and it, it would, it would literally be that because there's no one who, who has the the right to take someone's life in that sense of, you know, God has a timing for everything. Mm. You know, he said there's a time and a season for everything under the heavens. Um, and, and death is one of them. Mm. So it's, I, I look at it and I just think, mm, again, us as men taking things into our own hands um i had a conversation with an ex-colleague of, of mine about this she she wasn't a, she wasn't a christian 
um, doesn't profess any type of faith. Um, and she was Belgian. She truly believed in euthanasia. And I said, I, I don't believe in that. Um, I, I don't believe that it's any any other man's right to take another man's life. And she said, but it's not taking a life. I said, it is. Um, and, you know, she gave her a perspective of, you know, her mum died of cancer. And she said in those last days, it was very, very difficult for them. Very, very hard um, to watch her mum suffering and be in pain. Um, and she said it would have just been better if we were able to actually just end it for her. And I said, but that's not a man's choice to make for another man. Um, and she said, but why would somebody want to go through so much pain? Um, and, and I said, the thing is, this is not for us to answer. I don't know that. Um, and at the time, my mum hadn't passed away yet. Um, so the thing is, even knowing that, there's a process and there's a, a, there's a process for everything. And, and God has made it that way. So as intervening in that process, um, as men, um, as mere men, <laughs> as mere mortals, um, I, I think, you know, it's us trying to, to p put ourselves in a role mm. that, that doesn't belong to us. Um, so I think it's quite interesting when you see something like that. Spanish Catholics react as Spain moves closer to, to legalizing euthanasia. Um, obviously, the Spanish Catholics are reacting because they don't agree with it. Um, and again, it's it's in line with with what they're what they've they obviously believe mm -hmm. and, and, and it's in profession to their faith. Um, but it's interesting that you're seeing something like this, because if it's happening in Europe, somewhere in Europe, then we have to look at where else it could possibly begin to happen. I mean, I think eventually we, it will spread um, over, but it is a very, very, very interesting indeed that there's more and more country beginning to move closer to legalizing euthanasia. Um, mm. Obviously, some part of Europe is, is legalized, so this is yeah. where people go to certain, they go to a certain countries, certain yeah. country to do it. Mm. Um, but as you said, you know, you clearly said it, it is a violation of God's words. It is a good violation of God's ways, and 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 definitely, you know, and and I think that that also goes spiral to the fact that euthanasia as well is not only people taking somebody else's life without it's not that without a concern without them physically be able to say anything, but it is more also people who decided themselves that they want to hand their life because of suffering. So mm. there's also the other aspect of yeah, yeah. of taking your own life. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. That sense obviously. So that in itself it is just taking life. Mm. You know, as simple mm. as that. Um, it's he who gives and he who takes away. That's right. right. Absolutely. Um is there anything else that you would like to look into? Are you uh, Yeah. <laughs> oh look one. at that, Justin Bieber. Yeah. He's back. Well yeah, well he is he is back. <laughs> He's yeah, back. with the NHS, bless him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd, it'd be nice to hear. It'd be, not, it'd be it'd be nice to hear him. Yeah, yeah, singing. How about this guy? Last one. This Christian radio host criticized for hosting indoor Christmas party with one thousand five hundred attendees. Ooh. My goodness. An American Christian who is known for his straight-talking death advice and his radio program, The Dave Ramsey Show, reported invited around one thousand five hundred people to the bash, which featured. I lose desert food truck and carriage rides. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my goodness! There were absolutely no social distancing be practiced. The worker remarked, "Ramsey would regularly preach 
preaches on this principle of biblical finance that church across the U.S. has previously branded some of the COVID restrictions as totalitarian and has opted to keep most of his employees in the office during the pandemic. Very interesting. Anyway, let's let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So that was that was the news. Um, that was the news for today. Um, thank the Lord for that. Um, to be honest. Um, so going back to um topic you know and i'm going to skip through this because i think that every week Mm -hmm. we say all the time Mm -hmm. so i'm just going to go straight into the second scripture here that we started um which mentioned it at the moment i believe the season for us it really to be rooted um in the word of god and those scriptures really epitomize this when you think about it um it's really has to be written in this word. But that just really goes out to, to really bring the last instruction of Jesus to the churches. You know, seven letters, seven instruction, seven guidelines. Now, so far, we looked into Ephesus, Smyrna, and then we started Pergamos last week. And we basically understand that the, the outline of the book of Revelation you know, and the outline the way those letters were written, and the fact also that these letters are when they were delivered, it was delivered in the same manner that the postman in those that would deliver those letters, going all the way from Ephesus, Myrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and and then on Pilatosia. Now, many people will say, well, that was the relevance to what we're talking about. Absolutely, it, it, it seemed no relevance at all. But when you look at the way those letters were written and the way they apply on the four different levels, which we mentioned, which the first level is current churches existed when John the Apostle sent those letters. So the seven letters were, those seven churches were actually quite active in those days. The secondly, when we look at it, we the second apply, apply application of those letters, study of those letters is through the whole body of Christ, the church, ecclesiastic, ecclesia meaning the church. So when we look at those seven churches, we can look also on the body of Christ. The third application is on the personal life. We're all part of the body of Christ. We all we all represent the church. So every letters, every uh, guidance, every instructions from those letters, we should look into our own life and apply to it. But the interesting thing is that the fourth application, which is a prophetic our history application is depicted the seven key stages of church history throughout. And when you look at it and you see that Jesus used those letters, picked up those ch- those cities and those churches specifically to depict the seven church stages, so it shows you why it was important for him to study in Ephesus, then go to Smyrna, Pergamos, Satire, and Sardis, and so on, which is correlated to the same way the postman will deliver those letters it is incredible but you know we can actually discuss the wisdom and the wisdom of god and the revelation of god it is is mind-blowing so we know that those cities or those churches were based in asia minor which is modern day turkey we also know the fact that when we look from the different age of the period age of those different churches um, we started from Ephesus all the way to Laodicea, which will be depicted from the early church all the way to the apostate church, which is a church of today as well. 
But it doesn't mean that this is the church of today, that every church has our like the Laodicea. As I mentioned, those applications also apply to the body of Christ. So you, you will find some church which has got the spirit of Philadelphia in them. And we will, we find some church who are actually operating at the church of Smyrna as well. But in terms of church history, is really depicted from the beginning to the end. Now, we last week we looked into the church in Pergamos. And we looked into what Jesus was saying. And we know that Jesus always started with a description of himself when he was addressing the churches. And these descriptions were the two-edged sword. And the reason why he was addressing this as a two-edged sword is that they lost their love for the word of God. And they begin to um, basically compromise. Now, we knew, we look into the history of the of the city. It was a beautiful city, very vibrant city. They were uh, really competing with the with the city of Ephesus and Smyrna for the um, for the highs of uh, Asia or, or the, the ruby of Asia, whatever they call it. And we also know that they had so many that theater. They also have a hilly center, which is for you was very interesting. We also looked last week that this is where the uh, throne of Satan, which is actually a, a sculpture that was built, which was a throne of this called the throne of Satan, was raised in then. And then the German took that in the 1930s, and that was a great inspiration for the Second World War. You know, we spoke about Hitler, you know, dipping a lot into the occult. Now, we talked about the healing center, you know, which he was basically made um in reverence to their god which is asclepius which is a serpent god which is also the same sign which represents the medical symbol so we understood uh, how things were going inside and how they you know they were made to sleep around serpent non-poisonous serpent um for healing and then praying to their gods remember Antipas as well, mm-hmm. you know, the martyr Antipas. So we spoke about him as well. And so I'm just going very, very quickly into this. And what happened as well is now we're going through the age story, the age one. We know, for example, the church in Ephesus started in AD 50 to AD 61. The church of Smyrna was from AD 62 to 303 when we looked at the f- the, 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 ten, the, you know, the 10 successive persecutions from mm-hmm. the 10 different emperors. When we look at the church in Pergamos, it starts from AD 303 to AD 600. Now, what you got to remember is Constantine came into power and he proclaimed Christianity as the religion of the Roman Empire. So what's been taking place now is Christianity became the new thing. You know the new, you know what it is, you know, these days. You know, right, you know, when we went into the lockdown, what was the new thing? The mask. So you got mask popping out from all over the place, different shade of mask, a different trend of mask. So Christianity became discovered a new trend, you know, in, in the Roman Empire. Now, what you were seeing from being persecuted, the church leaders were put in position of power. And uh, what Constantine did, he blended, he basically blended the interest of the pagans with Christianity. So this is what Pergamos means objectional marriage of mixed marriage because the church began to mix with the world. 
which is remind us a lot of some of the churches today, how they operate. What mm. do you say, Moss, about this? I think the thing is you see a lot more of that now, don't you? Mm-hmm. You see a lot more of that. And this is what we were speaking about before. Absolutely. The church married into the world. And the church became what? <coughs> the expression that we use a lot in church, carnal. You know, mm. the church became very, very, very carnal and became corrupted. And what it means, it means that the standards of Christian love it. And, you know, when I think about this and I'm looking about today, you know, the things and, and, and it's interesting because you go from the first church in Ephesus, which they started with, a, with a, such a passion and a desire for, the, for, for God and, and they got so entrenched and busy into the work that they forgot the first thing that they got there in the first place mm. which it was the love and then you go to the second church which they were just sold out for christ to the point of dying literally dying and be i wouldn't say whether they were happy or not but they were willingly dying and martyr because they understood who the god was and they understood this what they were who they were serving and during those times Satan, since Jesus was a re- resurrected and since the church was was born, Satan always tried to um, infiltrate. Infiltrate. He's not trying to infiltrate the church. He dis- tried to destroy the church. Mm, yeah, he's trying to destroy. He destroy. He tried to destroy the church. So yeah. when you look at the Church of Smyrna, going through mm. these ten successive persecution of church history, or the t- ten uh, successive persecution of emperors. Mm. Satan was using the emperor to destroy the church. Yeah. But what happened is he found out that he could not destroy the church. So he, so he joined and infiltrated. Mm. And you find that this is a very uh, a normal war tactic that many people use in war. If you can't physically destroy your enemy, you've got to destroy it from the inside. Mm. So you've got to destroy, you've got to come in inside and begin to pollute it. And that's what happened with the church in, in Pergamos. I started to pollute the church in that sense. And it's during that time that we now experience, for example, a, a different type of Christmas. Mm. Now, it's we're not going to go... It's actually a good time to speak about it. Well, that. it is a good time to speak. It's Christmas next week. I said, here we go. But uh, it is during that time that we begin to see that. And uh, what happened with, with Christmas? And, and God is so wonderful the way he operated. Now, the Christian, as I mentioned it, the Christian became great leaders in this new era of, of Roman Empire under the Christianity labeled as the religion or the yeah, the religion of the Roman Empire. So we know that those leaders become very prominent you know, as we spoke. But those leaders wanted to get the people, non-Christian people, pagans, to join the church. So, they were celebrating the birth of Jesus. And those pagans were celebrating, around that time, the um, the Solstice uh, Festival, if we mm, call it this way. Yeah. Which was a mix of worship trees and giving gift to people and 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 and, and, and it's not only it wasn't only giving gift to people it was also the time when people were allowed to do all sorts of orgies and be able to eat whatever they wanted 
which is a quite interesting when you think about it. did you realize it's that around the christmas yeah and dungeons did you realize that around the christmas period people would buy more food than they would buy usually during the year or they would actually mm. buy food that they actually never bought throughout the year yeah. during that time of christmas so the pagan were celebrating the solstice festival and they were celebrating by giving gift they were celebrating by being married they were celebrating by eating food they were celebrating by worshiping trees they were celebrating by also this is why you see this 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 this, this tree be worshipped and be made in a such a way they look so beautiful when you look at them but that was their way of celebrating the christian on the other hand were celebrating christ but they were not really celebrating christ around that same period of time but in order for them to be able to bring people into the kingdom of God, they're beginning to mix the pagan with Christ's birth. They found a time which it would be sweeted everyone, which is December. We know that Christ wasn't born in December. They found that time sweeted and then they bring this element. So now Christmas became a celebration of Christ's birth mixed with all the tra- paganist tradition. God's mercy is wonderful because even during those times, you find many people will go to church. When you look at today, when well, today, today, but over the last last centuries, people were going to Christmas will be a time where people will literally go into masses and they will be going to church and they will be hearing about the word of God. It will be a time when TV station, network, television, film, or studios will be beginning to portray the life, the birth, and the life of Jesus. So despite what was taken out, despite the enemy trying to mix and pollute and trying to take it away, the word of God is still there. And you find out that when people hear Christmas, even though a lot of things about celebration and so on, you find a non-Christian we know, as far as they're concerned, Christmas is when Jesus was born. Whether they like it or not. And whether they mention it or they not mention it, it's there. So despite this, God is still moving. He's still allowing people to know about how Jesus was born. They still allow people to know the life of Jesus. Because when you look at those movies, they start from the birth of Jesus. You know, The nativity that's been playing many schools, doesn't matter whether it's a church of England school or is it like a, a, a public school, they were still playing nativity. Obviously, with the COVID this year, there was no nativity played. But every year, we will have a lovely little children just to playing a role, you know, and playing the, the Virgin Mary or playing Joseph or playing the three kings and so on. So the world will know about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus because despite what they were trying to do, what the enemy was trying to do, and when this what people said about Christmas, God still managed to bring that bring that element of <clears throat> bring that element of people knowing Christ. So we can't deny that what God has been doing and, and so it's still moving those things. But this is what's happening. So the Christmas aspect of it. The other thing that the church adopted was two false doctrines. The first one is the doctrine of Balaam, which is mixture. Balaam meaning pretty much mean mixture. And what he does, it introduced idol. It what he did, Balaam, he introduced idol by marrying foreign girl with the Israelites. Hmm. So that's really what it is. And 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 you know that element of worship, the element of idol, and you know 
what the Bible said, what the word of God said, you know, you shall love your God. Yes, yes. The first commandment, mm. you know. The Ten Commandments, the first one, you know. And and so that's very, very important. So that was the doctrine of Balaam. And the doctrine of Balaam is basically mixing things of God, all the people of God, with stuff of the world. And when you look at Christmas, that's exactly what happened. But doesn't mean that God didn't use Christmas to people rich. I know people have been saved for Christmas because God used that element for it. But it was still mixed in that sense. Now, Balaam, he was a prophet. Um, he was a prophet from Mesopotamia. And he was willing to use his prophetic gift, or his God-given talent, for his own purposes. To do whatever he wanted. And... Uh, and we know the story, you know. Even he knew Balak was God's enemy. He tried to sell his prophetic gift to help him. And we knew what happened. The donkey and everything. So the story, if you want to read the story, just go to the book of Numbers, um, chapter 25. It will tell you all the story about Balaam. So that was the first doctrine that this church in Pergamos were into it. The second doctrine was the doctrine of the Nicolaitan. So we spoke about it during the church of Ephesus as well, which pretty much they were also... Uh, promoting fornication and compromising position of eating food sacrificed to idols. So that all aspect of these four doctrines were infiltrated in the church. And that was a real, real, real problem that Jesus uh, had with the church when he was uh, mentioned. If we look at it, um, said, when he said it, he says this, he had a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to adults and to commit sexual immorality. And then he goes to say, and you also have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitan, which things I hate. So those are the things that Jesus was mentioning in the church of Pergamos. This kind of mixing with idols um, to do sexual immorality, to eat food which is sacrificed to idols. And when you look at this church, some of the churches operate the same way. There are sexual immorality operating within the churches, certain churches. And there are idols that's put be, before God as well. So this is why it's so important when we look at those letters to look all the different applications. And not only the first application, but all the applications. So that's what happened. And then he goes down to men where we said, repent. He said to him, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth what is the sword of his mouth is the word is the word so he will confront them with the word of god in that sense and then he goes on to say that he will give them the hidden manna and a white stone very interesting now the hidden manna here is jesus speaking is the is the bread from heaven and what jesus said that if they repent he will be their provision you know and we know what God did. He provided for the Israelis for 40 years with manna and, and after that with square. When they, whatever they were asking, God's provide. So what Jesus said, he rebuked them and then he told them that if you repent, I will give you bread of heaven. I will be your provision. You won't have to seek provision elsewhere. I will be your provision. But the interesting thing, the other thing that he said is the white stone. Mm. That is a very interesting. Now, what we need to understand in Romans time, the white stone were used when you were going to the court. 
they were given a white stone if you were acquitted and they were given a black stone if you were condemned. Mm. So that's how they used to do the judgment. So, you know, when you make the decision, then give you the white stone, you're acquitted, you acquit and give you the, the black stone. And Jesus referred to this, that I will give you the white stone. If you repent, you'll be acquitted. It's basically salvation. It's referring to salvation here. The other thing as well, the white stone was also a ticket to a banquet or a big party. So it was an invitation, basically. So if you have this white stone, you could go to the party. You could go to the banquet. And it's interesting that what Jesus said to the church of Pergamos, remember the story of the banquet, the party, you know, when God asked, invited people and then he couldn't make it and then he picked up people everywhere. Mm. The highways and the byways. Yeah. And he also speak of enter the kingdom of God, mm. salvation. So for the church of Pergamos, it was very important that they repent of the deed in that sense. But uh, that's what was happening. But as I said, as you go through the, the, the churches, you find out that we go from the church that was compromising, that was beginning to mix with the world, to the church in Tartaria, which is, on the other hand, was a completely schooled, corrupt church. <laughs> and you, it's a very interesting when we look into this. So let's look into the church of Tataya now for a minute. Now, we, the, the thing about this church, the, 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 this is what the, the scripture, let's look at the scripture. And, and Marcia, if you, if you don't mind, read it for us as mm. we look into this. To the angel of the church in Tyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to, say to the rest of you in Tyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I have come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter. I will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority. From my father. From my father. I will also give the one more give the one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is incredible. Mm. Um this is just to remind ourselves, this is the longest latest wrote. As part of all the churches, this is the longest latest wrote and there's a lot there to take in. Mm, there's a there's very a lot, a lot. And <laughs> You know, yeah. as I said again, this 
we've got to look at this and really watch ourselves because whatever church letters that Jesus wrote it, it is wrote to us he also applied Mm. to us applied to the church and he also applied to the time those times as well so it's called the corrupt church and then you can understand why is it called the corrupt church just by reading it you can see already Mm. how corrupt that church was now the truth is we know that from the prophetic application this later when we say that I mentioned four ways to view those latest um, actual churches existed as the body of Christ personally and seven stages of church history. When we look from the seven stages of church history, this is a representation of the Catholic Church, mm, yeah. which we will touch into, into. Now, we can see here, you know, verse 18, God gave a description of himself son of god these are the word of the son of god so he revealed himself as the son of god he speak to him of him being god he speak he come to them from i'm part of the deity i'm god i'm the one who speak to me you know those are the words of the son of god you know it's like when you 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 done something wrong and and you and, and your, your father, your mother come to you and you say, listen to me. This is your father speaking. Mm, That's exactly what yeah. Jesus was saying to the church when he started this. So he, he gave an aspect of description. And he's not, this is not some nice description. Eyes are like blazing fire. Yeah. And feet and whose feet are like burnished bronze. This is a powerful description of Jesus. And he's, he's upset. He's, he's like he's angry with that church. So it's coming with a very strong word at the beginning. This is the first thing. And while we look at it, addressing to the pastors, and now we see what I spoke about the deity and and so on. And what is interesting, this blazing fire, this burnished bronze is a references. If you look at the book of Levitical, you know, remember this the, the, the system brass speak. In those in those days, we speak of judgment. So it's coming with a judgment on that church. If you look at Ephesus, it was talking about, listen, guys, I love what you guys are doing, but you forgot about me. Just come back. Then he goes to church of Smyrna and he said, guys, hold on to it. Hold on to it. I know that you're going to go through persecution, but hold on. Then he goes to the church of Pergamos and we just look and he said, guys, you lost, you lost your, your love for my word. What's going on here? But when it comes to that church, it goes straight to it. This is me talking. This is the Son of God talking. I'm God talking to you. I'm your I'm the Son of God talking to you. So he's come up with this. And quite interestingly, when you look at this later, he doesn't say, I'm the son of Mary or I'm the son of man or yeah. I'm the son of Joseph. He said, I'm the son of God, mm. which really speaks of God himself presenting and writing the slate and said, guys, I'm not appearing by you. I'm not appearing what's happening. So this is really just to give you the, the, the atmosphere of this letter already. Very interesting. And as I said, it's the longest of the seven letters written and it's actually the least of the seven city. You know, we looked at the other city, they were beautiful and, and wonderful. To be honest, 
audacity there's not much to say about it's it's not really we don't know much about uh the city we know that it was a small town which was about 40 miles southeast of Pergamos, and it was a very small town it was very busy very commercial center um it was on um it was it was important for Rome for for this reason because many trade unions settled in that town yeah and we're going to understand the trade union system that was working and how it affected the church and the people of God there as well as we go along. Mm. But everyone who was working in the city was part of a trade union. If you were working in a city, you were part of a trade union. There was no, you couldn't work in a city unless you were part of a trade union. So that is a very important point to understand. And there was all type of workers. So there were linen workers, uh, makers, garment, dyers, leather worker, tanners, porters, bakers, slave dealers, and bronze smiths people. So they were quite, it's quite a bit of a, of a busy city uh, in that sense. As a matter of fact, um, there was this lady, and um, if you look, you can find in the book of Acts as well, um, Paul and Sidas visited a lady that was called Lydia um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that story. And that was found in the book of Acts 16, 40 to 15. And they don't talk a lot about it. But she met this this lady. And, and this lady was from actually from Tatara. And she was selling purple clothes because they were using indigo. You know, they were doing a lot of indigo, dyeing clothes. And so well, they created a lot of the purple clothes from a shellfish. And it, and that's why they're making designer clothes. So that, that, was the, that was the trade at the time. And, and in the book of Acts 16, 14 to 15, Paul met this lady, which was from Tataya. And, you know, her and the host also got baptized. So Paul reached out to her, got baptized. And maybe, maybe we think that maybe she was instrumental in, in planting a church in Tataya in that sense. You know, so this is some of the historians that mentioned it. We don't really know. So like I said, we, we don't really know. We just know that the city was completely destroyed by the invading Gulf and then it was rebuilt. But that's not really, we don't really know. So when we look at verse 19 now, and if I can, I'm just going to go back a little bit, backward here. Verse 19 here, it says this, I know you did your love and faith, your service and persevering, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So, Jesus said five, five things good about the church. Deeds, love, faith, service, and perseverance. So when you look at it, it's a good church. No? Yeah, in a Think way. It. But it's quite interesting that it says, I know your deeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pick out deeds, service, perseverance, and mm-hmm. the things, and you're now doing more than you did at first. Yeah. So it's a lot about doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's good. That's that's good. We're coming to it. Mm. So, good work. They're doing good work. They have a reputation for loving less fortunate people. So, they had a reputation for helping poor people. They were known for their faith. They were known for their ministry. They were patient, especially in difficult and dark days. And the church worked hard and they served from the heart. And what happened? They kept growing. The church kept growing. They were faithful, they were loving, they were patient, and they were a service church. However, 
this is a kind of church that do the right thing and gone completely wrong. You know, as you said, there were a lot doing, but there was something much more sinister that was in that church. And that's what it was. It says this, nevertheless, I have this against you. You'll tolerate that woman Jezebel would call herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misled my servant into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idol. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who search hearts and mind, and I will repay each of you according to your deed. This is crazy. <laughs> you, I mean, you hear that. And the issue that they had in that church was Jezebel. There was a lady that had a Jezebel spirit in Nassan. And that was she was basically operating and misleading people and doing all sorts of things that you could never think of. But we need to understand who she is. We need to look into who Jezebel is in order to understand. So, I don't think she looked like that, but that is one kind of the portrait, you know. What do you know about Jezebel, by the way? Hmm. Um, yeah, interesting character of a lady. Um, yeah, I just you read about Jezebel. Um, the spirit that she carried, um, and how she lived, and how she, you know, you know about the prophets of Baal. Yeah. Um, we know about um, how she came up against um, different ones, and how she basically tried to rule and reign. She mm -hmm. wanted to be in charge of everything. Yeah. Um, if it didn't go Jezebel's way, there was either Jezebel's way or no way. Mm -hmm. um, and she would go in, and she would infiltrate she would infiltrate places take come and take over um and she would run things her way okay and she would slaughter people and do things if they didn't do things her way and also in terms of that there was a lot of um sexual immorality um in terms of how she would do things you know she all the different gods um that she actually well, she worshipped and the and the way that she led the people to those to worship those idols as well absolutely i mean that um, that is completely spontaneous um in looking back into the history in 922 before christ we know that the nation of israel was torn into two into torn apart into two nations you know israel to the north and judah to the south yeah and uh, israel was having so many internal tribal differences and because of that they became susceptible to invasion all the time and in order to basically what was happening is that unfortunately this invasion were bringing a lot of mixing and mm. and, and, and paganism that would mm. basically take the word the belief of people believing yahweh and the word of god and they would mix it with all sorts of things are coming in and there was a this jezebel was from Phoenicia, she was a princess and she was the daughter of King Edbal. And 
we don't really know about um, upbringing as she grew up, but what we understand, we understand that she lived in a nice home. She was educated. She had probably the best tutor. But we also know that a family worship mainly God, as you mentioned it. And remember, the most important God that she, the family was worshiping was Baal. Mm. And Baal, we talked about it last year, two years ago, the, the very the origin of Baal, where it come from, you know. And, and if you want to understand the origin of Baal, you have to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, you know. And we're talking mm. about from the time of Cain's slay Abel. We're talking about the Tower of Babel mm. and Nimrod that actually mm. got all those people get together to build that Tower of Babel and so on. So you really have to go back from, from, from that point here. So they were worshipping Baal, which is a, a nat- nature god, understand? And you find out today when you look at different societies in the world, a lot of them are worshipping nature in places as well. So that is very interesting. And while she was growing uh, into woman, Israel crowned a new king. And really to create this alliance between Phoenicia and, and, and Israel, so the king arranged his son, Ahab, mm. to marry Jezebel. They said he was probably the worst king. He was the worst king. Mm. Yeah, the Bible said he was a worst king. Why? Because Ahab was very, very weak. Mm. It, it just, you know, when you say the woman. You know, what wear was the trousers. wear the trousers? She wasn't wearing the trousers, she was wearing the whole outfit. He had nothing <laughs> at all. He was so, so weak, unbelievably weak when you think about it. So, that was the situation that they were feeling. And for this young woman, after enjoying this life of luxury in a, in a home, in a house with her parents, she's now was a queen. Do you understand? She mm. was now become a queen. And because, as you said clearly, she was very powerful. She she loved power. She was angry for power. She was na- manipulative, completely manipulative. And she was, remember, she was a priestess, a worshipping priestess of Baal. So that would definitely, now that she was the queen of Israel, and as you said, the rest of the story is, is known. You can read in, in the book of Kings and so on, and, and we understand the story of, of um, um, Elijah and, mm, and, and you know, the prophet that. Elijah, who actually confronted the mm. prophet of Baal, and then they, they bring, they, 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 they both create fire, and you know, mm. they, the 800 Baal priests, uh, they pray for the fire to come down to burn. It didn't happen, mm. and and Elijah even ask Elijah even ask it to put to pour water into mm. the wood, and then he call on God and God pour fire on 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 you know put yeah. fire on the wood of Elijah, and then they slaughtered all the um the prophet of Baal as a result of this. And then Jezebel went. After uh, she Elijah. went mad. She went. She went crazy, mm. and she basically ordered um, to kill. Um, Elijah, and this is why we saw Elijah hiding um, in, in that mm. sense. So really, this is what we understand. And Eli- Jezebel was incredibly evil. And she has prostitutes doing things mm. that you could mm-hmm. never think of in a house of God. Mm. In a house of God. So when Jesus referred to the church um, here, in verse twenty, in verse um, from verse eighteen onward, when he's refer to the woman in that church in Jezebel, 
we know that that woman was evil, she was wicked, and she was crazy. And she ran things in that. They allowed that woman to run things in that church. To bring all sorts of depravity in that sense. It is, that is incredible. Now, going back to the trade union things. And mm. this is where it is very important to understand. And I can then we can go back to the, to the, to the correlation between that section of scriptures and Revelation 13. In Tataya, as I mentioned before, in order for you to work, you needed to be part of a trade union. Right? Mm. Now, what was happening? Each trade had a God associated to it. And they would meet for meals in a temple, pagan's temple. And also the meals were also religious ceremony. And while they were having this meal, they would do all kind of sexual act to worship their god what does that sound like to you exactly and that is the problem because if you needed to feed your family you will need to belong to a trade union and you will need to belong to a guard otherwise you won't be able to work so think about a christian in that church they have to make a decision either they're part of that union and they go through the sexual immorality ceremonial stuff that was taking place and that was required for each trade union because each trade union, as we said, had a god associated to it. So they would worship the god by eating uh, ungodly food. They would worship the god by uh, having doing sexual immorality and act as sexual. I mean, you talking things that you know you can even think of. We are seeing things like whatever we call it today, transgenderism and so on, this is what just on a different level. And it was public. So, Christians have to make this decision. Join the union and compromise your faith or you don't eat. That is very simple. So, when you think about it, going back to Revelation 13, what does it say? Mm. Revelation 30 said that, you could not trade, mm, you could not buy, you could not buy anything unless without, the mark. without a mark. So we have seen in the similarity between what was taking place in the church in those times. Mm. But then you look at today. It's People are talking a lot about what's taking place today. Mm. There's the element of the government specifying that they don't want people to be forced to do certain things. But what we are seeing we are seeing a system that is gripping now the population to oblige them to do things to fulfill the plan of the few. Mm. Now, the question is this. The world will go and follow. Regardless, they will go and follow. You know, we, we heard many conversations and people saying so on that, you know, the vaccine is there. This is going to be great. The world's going to change. We're going to go back to normality. On the other side, you got the other side of it. We say, I'm not taking it. You know, it's got his words name there, or it's got his things, it's got his DNA, it's got the implant, it's got the microbial, it's got whatever. I'm not taking it. But as believers, if we are forced to take something that we know is not right, we're going to have to make a decision. 
The world, unfortunately, is moving very quickly in the aspect when more and more we are going to be, we're going to have to stand for what the word of God is saying, regardless of what the world is moving or what the world is saying. And that is very important. And so those guys in those times, that's what they were facing. They had families, you know, they had jobs, but they have to make a decision. You want a job, you need to join the trade union. You cannot work unless you join the trade union. That you join the trade union, you got to adhere to the regulation and the way the trade unions operate because as a trade union, we worship this God. We worship this God. We worship that God. So now as a Christian, that is your that is your dilemma. You as you join and you compromise and you become a double or seven when you do the things that the world is doing. And when you look at churches today, are some of the churches not operating this way? Hmm. Some of the churches operate this way. You know, and that was what was happening. Jezebel had power in the church. And she was teaching in the church. And she was saying to those guys that it was okay to join the trade union and to worship with those guys and she told them that god will overlook their sin because they have to make a living of their family have you not heard that before mm-hmm. you know god will forgive you you know he knows the bible said that you need you need to feed your family so god will forgive you to take on the mark of the beast god will forgive you to worship the idol because you got to feed your family do you understand and that's what was taking place in the, in, in those times Today, the church is allowing false teaching. And Jesus are the real problem with this. Those guys were tolerating Jezebel. And Jesus said that unless they repent, it will bring all sorts of tribulation to them. And this is why when I look at the corrupt church, it is one of the worst. And this is what Jesus has so much to say about it. He said this is the longest letter out of the seven churches. Because there was so much thing going on in that church, despite the fact that they were seemed to be doing good things at the beginning, that was a major, major issue. And it wasn't the fact that she was there, it was the fact that they were tolerating her to bring those things in and allowing her to say things. So she must have a, a, a um she must have a status of yeah, of, of, of imposition power. of power in that mm-hmm. church. You know, whether some kind of deacon or mm. some kind of minister or mm. even a pastor in that mm. church alongside the main pastor of that church to be able to bring all those different kind of doctrine and, and, and things that would really change the way people see God and, and be able to compromise. But not only compromise, we saw the compromise with Pergamos. That was complete corruption. And God wasn't happy with it. And when we think about it and when we look at the church of Tyre, which is actually go from from the from the um from the uh, prophetic way of seeing this later, it ran from eighty six hundred to approximately one thousand six hundred, approximately the seventeenth century. And that was the Catholic Church. It was the Catholic Church. So when we look of the church and i'm not going to go into much detail because we're a little bit running out after out of time here 
Jezebel, Jezebel was being a prophetess and she was acting as being the voice of God. And the Catholic Church also believed to be the voice of God. Mm. you got to remember that. They believed that they were the voice of God. They believed to be pure and not to be questioned. If you look at the Catholic Church through the centuries, you will find out that they made people stop reading the Bible. The Holy Church was in the Word of God. And they were reading and they were teaching and, you know, the... The apostle, you know, when you put the book of Acts, the fellowship of the Son, the apostle doctrine, prayer and fasting. When the Catholic Church, when the Catholic Church took place, that stopped. They were the only one that were able to teach the word. They were the only one that were able to read the word. So they were just telling the masses what they wanted them to tell. They would tell them what to think. They would tell them what to do. They would tell them what to say. And they would tell them what to believe and what to understand. They would tell that people don't need to read the Bible because the church, the Catholic Church, is here for that. And many of the uh, many of the masses was in Latin, which is truly is a dead language. So when you go do masses in Latin, what, what do you understand? Mm-hmm. What do you understand that dead language? Nobody understood that language, but that was perfect for them because they could keep the masses not knowing the word of God and it can basically be able to change over time some of the doctrine so for example Mary was now elevated to be the mother of God or co-redemptors which means that now she wasn't not operating as Mary which was the mother of Jesus from a early perspective she was not operating as being the mother of God because they were saying Jesus is a son of God and because Jesus was born of Mary so they elevated Mary to be the mother of God so those were some of the doctrine that was infiltrating when they stopped people reading the Bible when they stopped people reading the word they're beginning to infiltrate those those words so they formed the paganism just really to grow in that sense so the Christian Christianity that Constantine established pretty much all the way was not the same Christianity that was established in the early church. So everything's changed from that time. And you know, people believe that was one of the dark, dark ages. Paganism t- took completely over. And this is where you begin to see a lot of idols, a lot of stages um, set up within the church, this big building that erected and so on, this robe that they were dressing, all these things that come about, you know, during that time. They begin to elevate the people as saints now. So this is St. Pierre, St. Patrick, St. Paul, St. Beast, St. Bo, St. Bees, whatever. They were all elevated to the statue of saint. But the Bible tells us that we are all saints. But now the Catholic Church has elevated certain people to the state of state. And what they were doing as well, they were not beginning to do, um, as I said, putting a great emphasis on sacrifice, personal sacrifice in order to please God. When they were drinking during the communion or when they were doing the communion, they were saying, saying that the wine literally becomes the blood of Jesus and that the bread literally becomes the body and flesh of Jesus. And that said that during that time they would experience grace and salvation. So we know that the blood the, the wine and the bread is a representation of what Jesus has done 
on the cross. But for them, they said that it will, what they were actually eating was the body of Jesus, literally. And what they were drinking was actually blood that he shed in Calvary, the actual blood. And forcing people to tell that when you do that, you will experience salvation and grace. I mean, it, it was an incredible uh, heresy, the amount of things that just came up through the church. And there's so many, and I can't list them all. But one of the things that also came about, um, which was we call the indulgence. Now, this is this is how they this is how they got their money, you know. The Catholic Church amasses a huge, huge, huge amount of wealth. Talking about the Vatican and mm. itself, for example. And it is the singest wealthiest entity in the world. They are more money and land in their own banking system than every nation in the world. How did they manage that? But this indulgence. Now, the indulgence, and that's a very, very interesting. In a Roman Catholic Church, is the way the indulgence is the way to reduce the amount of punishment or one what to undergo for sins. So in order to reduce the punishment that you have to go to undergo to that you have to undergo for, for sinning, you have to pay. You have to pay your way. And so, so basically, if I know I've gone out, I've sinned, I go to the church, and I give go money. to the priest and I say, I've, I've actually sinned, forgive me for my sins, and you give money, and then they say your sins are forgiven you. Yeah, that's basically it. They would basically, what they will do, because they have this, this element, the other aspect that we're going to talk about in a minute, which is called purgatory, which is actually a state between hell and heaven. It's a middle ground. So we know as believers that we saved, we go to heaven. But as far as they're concerned, there's a stage, there's a middle stage when you go to that place of purgatory, when you do things until you get impure enough to get to heaven. But there were where the works come in. Yeah. So they were basically paying their way. You, as you said, you're seen, you give money, and then that will allow you to get into the purgatory if you were sinning. So those were the things that they were telling people, but because people didn't have the choice, they didn't have the ability or the possibility to read the Bible. So all these doctrines were implemented to it. And that was the word. And this purgatory was the element of purification, the scale of purification before you get to heaven. So on one hand, you will have to pay your way when you're sinning. On the other hand, you will have to get to purgatory before going to heaven. And that was that was a problem. That's a Catholic Church problem. Now, I still believe that the Catholic Church today is still operating under on on under those those prerogative where they still believe in Mary be the mother of God. They still believe in they still doing indulgences and they still believe in purgatory, which is a state between heaven and hell, which is a middle ground when you're going through the state of purification. But what does the Bible say to us? The Bible clearly said to us that we are saved by grace. You know. Not by works. Not by works. As any man should boast. And that's right, absolutely. So Jesus nicely gave time for them. And I love what he says. And this is why we love our God. Because he gave time to repent. He gave time to repent. He said, I will give you time to repent and to change their ways in that sense. But unfortunately, she did not repent. 
she continued. And when you look at it, God has patiently dealt with the world. But hasn't been in change. And eventually, God will, two things he will do to change things. He will raise people. He will raise people to make changes. And this is when, when we look at the next church, um, when we go back in January, that's, that's the dead church. But it's also the church when Jesus, even during that time in the Catholic Church, Jesus has begun to bring people to begin reformation yeah. John Calvin is yeah. one of them John Wesley is another one those are the people that yeah. go so fed up Martin Luther okay. which is another one yeah. so God in that sense in nothing beginning to raise people to change the whole system and to bring the word of God and I truly believe and I don't want to this this is something I'm supposed to share tomorrow but I truly believe that the season that we're in at the moment is a season of God is preparing people to raise people up in a time when the world's going to need we spoke we saw at the beginning when we looked into the news this this priest that commit suicide because there was no hope but i believed in january from january 21 onward god is going to begin to raise people he's already speaking to people people different people his position is position people but he's going to raise people this new season that's coming where people, you're going to see people that are going to be to be influencers. And not necessarily in a worldwide thing, but influences in a family. Influences in a circle of friends. Influences in the workplace. When they're going to begin to speak a word that's going to begin to bring transformation in the heart of non-believers. That's going to bring a tremendous change in the heart of non-believers. So during that time, God raised people like John Calvin. You know, John Calvin, you said John Calvin, to be honest, is a French, Jean Calvin. He was a pastor. So he raised that guy. He saw that things wasn't right because God spoke to his heart. John Wesley, Martin Luther, and, and so on. Those are things that God is raising. And today God will raise that. And that's to say there's two ways God deal with the nation. Number one is raising a generation of people to make change. And number two is bringing judgment and tribulation. And that's what we're seeing. Reformation. Yeah. So, this is it about the church uh, in Taitara. Um, we, unfortunately, we are going to have a break. Everybody need a break. This is a Christmas period and everybody need a break. We will resume in January. Um, 2021. 2021. Um, probably, I would say the date will be confirmed, but it will be probably about the 9th of January we'll be resuming uh on that day as well so this is it so we're done with churches we're getting there now so we've got still to go with the church we need to go to sardis and then we need to go to philadelphia and also we will need to go to la deosia guys that one's going to mm. be very interesting we're journeying we're journeying, yeah, we're journeying. Mm. so why don't we pray father we just thank you so much for your word as we always, when we finish these, I always end up being so meditative, just contemplating and just really reflecting on your word. Because as we even, we haven't even, even skimmed the surface with this really. We've just, we, we literally have touched the surface and, and um, it's just, there's so much, there's so much, so many gems and so rich. Every time we look at your word, there's always something else that we learn that we, that you reveal to us. 
And just, Father, I just pray as your word says that the entrance of your word will truly bring light and will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path because we, le- we really, really, truly need it in this, this time and this season that we are living in. We truly need for that to be so. So, Father, we pray, let it be so. Let it be so for all of us. Let it be so that your word will truly be guiding us, will be continually giving us revelation and helping us to make the choices and the decisions that are in alignment with your word, according to your will, that are pleasing to you, O God. We just pray this. Help us, Lord. Help us, we pray, to make the right choices and the decisions as your word continues to to do what it only can, just be like a double-edged sword, piercing through bone and marrow and accomplishing the purpose for which you have sent it in this time and this season. Mm. So, Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much, Father. You continue to reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we pray. Let everyone be blessed. Blessed, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you again so much, guys, for uh, for being with us um, this morning. And as we said, we will resume um, our topic from January. Guys, have a wonderful Christmas and a happy New Year as well. Mm. uh, Get some rest, you know. Yes. Get some rest. Well deserved. See you not next week, same place, same time. See you in 2021, guys. Happy New Year too. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you.